Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 2 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore. At the end of episode 1 published on August 15th, we had indicated that we will have regular episodes every Monday starting August 27th. But with the demise of our ex-Prime Minister Atal Bihari Vajpayee, we decided to advance our second episode by a week and discuss the achievements and legacy of Vajpayee in the realm of foreign policy. Enough ink has been poured over paper to discuss the legacy of Vajpayee as a poet, administrator, politician and a prime minister. But we at India Rising felt that an entire episode needs to be devoted to foreign policy decisions taken by him. So without further ado, let's start the discussion. We pick up from when he was the external affairs minister from March 1977 to July 1979 in the Janta Party government headed by Murarji Desai. Yeah, I mean, uh, interestingly, uh, I don't know if a lot of people don't know that. I mean, it's very well known that he was prime minister from 98 to 2004. But uh, a lot of people don't know that he was also an external affairs minister in the Moraji Desai government. That's right. And a very successful one at that. So uh, one such, uh, one such uh, event was when he went to the United Nations General Assembly. And uh, mind you, it was a brand new young government, the first non-Congress government. And it was right after the elections that were held post uh, lifting of the emergency. emergency. Yeah. So uh, Vajpayee and on behalf of, uh, on behalf of Moraji Desai uh, had to convince the world that uh, they, were, they were there to uh, ensure that uh, democracy would be respected within India. So uh, his speech actually uh, given in uh, Hindi, he delivered it in uh, chest uh, Hindi. Uh, so he, uh, while doing that, he emphasized, he emphasized on India's commitment to democracy, not only within India, but also outside India. And uh, back then there was some issue uh, going on in the African continent. So he kind of uh, emphasized on the abolition of colonialism and also apartheid uh, out there in Africa. And uh, all this while uh, reiterating the message uh, of peace. And uh, what was striking was that he ended uh, the speech with the phrase uh, Jai Jagat, which was actually, uh, which, would, which would loosely be translated to glory be to the world. Yeah, and then uh, on during his tenure as the external affairs minister, Vajpayee did visit uh, Beijing, China. So this was a landmark visit because as you know, in 1962, we fought a bitter war with the Chinese and we didn't have diplomatic relations for a long time. But interestingly, what happened is when Vajpayee visited Beijing in 1979, it unfortunately coincided with China's invasion of Vietnam, which they wanted to punish them for supporting Cambodia. 
so uh, for having sorry entered cambodia against their regime there so uh, and then it is said that dang xiaoping uh, who was a leader in china at that time mentioned to vajpayee that the reason they had invaded vietnam was to teach china a lesson somewhat similar to the language they use against china, india that they had to teach a lesson uh, to india in 1962 so this really enraged the indians and vajpayee who cut short his visit in protest uh, against this uh, language used by the chinese interesting okay so let's uh, fast forward to when uh, he was the leader of the opposition in the lok sabha from 1993 to 1996 uh, when uh, pv narasimha rao was the prime minister so there is an interesting uh, story of how uh, the pv narasimha rao the then prime minister uh, chose atal bihari vajpayee the then leader of opposition to represent india at the united nations human rights commission conference in geneva in switzerland uh, pakistan had actually tried to corner india by claiming that there were human rights violations happening in the state of jammu and kashmir and had brought up a proposal for the unhrc to uh, to pass a resolution intending to condemn india's apparent high handedness in dealing with the uh, sectarian problems out there so india had to respond and uh, narasimha rao to everybody's uh, surprise uh, sent vajpayee as the main representative and uh, in his team was actually people like farooq abdullah salman kurshid hamid ansari and also manmohan singh uh, all all uh, big names uh, right now so uh, hectic lobbying intense speeches narratives and counter narratives were floated uh, there were many many rounds of palling India managed to do just enough to convince the rest of the country to uh, to force Pakistan to withdraw its proposal. Vajpayee and his team had actually won the day for India by defeating Pakistan's uh, proposal. Excitement uh, out there in Geneva that day was nothing short of a India-Pakistan cricket match. Uh, fittingly, when they returned to Delhi, they were given a rousing welcome at the airport, usually reserved for Victoria's cricket teams. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, back then also when I was young that uh, this was a huge event where uh, uh, secured a spectacular victory in this. It also shows the magnanimity of uh, PV Narasimha Rao that he chose a leader of opposition, chose the bipartisanship uh, at that time, which I think would be impossible in today's day and age. And also the camaraderie between the two giants. Watch yeah, I mean, they had a very good friendship. So moving on to 1998, when uh, they had a short uh, government being formed, um, so they had a short 13-month government formed from 1998. So one of the pivotal decisions I think everybody knows was to conduct uh, testing of nuclear weapons. So BJP, interestingly, in its earlier avatar, the the Jansang. had always advocated for the testing of nuclear weapons and india to be an overtly nuclear state now um, jansang was one of the loudest proponents of uh, welcoming the 1974 uh, the peaceful nuclear explosion at its call the testing in pokhran now by 1995 there was uh, pressure building up on india to sign the ctbt or what is called the comprehensive test ban treaty 
and also there was a uh, negotiations ongoing to for the renegotiating re the nuclear non proliferation treaty the npt which had been active for 24 years and it was going to be extended so india was caught in kind of a bind that it would be under severe pressure to test it or that opportunity would be lost forever so there have been a lot of uh, declassified cia reports and reporting in the media that the the pv narsimha rao government had wanted to test in uh 1995 but then had to back off uh, once it, the testing was declared and it was also reported in the western media uh the reason cited was that the nation uh it was like first that they were caught and later on they didn't want to test it because uh they didn't want the incoming government because it was at the right at the end of narsimara's tenure so he didn't want the newly elected government to face the economic implications of the testing and uh, in fact what happened was that uh, pv narsimha rao uh, also did a one on one meeting with uh, apj abdul kalam and uh, wajpai uh, who was the pm designate in 1996 uh, so that he could bring uh, wajpai up to speed on the progress made uh, thus far and uh, <clears throat> what followed uh, thereafter was nearly two years of political instability which we all know with uh, 3 pm uh, in two years and this was followed by fresh election in 1998 uh, by by which time uh, bjp on its part had indicated uh, that in its election manifesto they, uh, they would go ahead with uh, testing the nuclear bombs uh, and uh, and finally when uh, when they uh, won the election and uh, came back to power uh, in early 1998 Uh, they actually went ahead and tested uh, the nuclear uh, bombs on 11th and 13th of May 1998 at uh, Pokhran again. So uh, after the tests were conducted on on these two days, the Vajpayee government clearly indicated that uh, it had uh, now imposed uh, uh, it had now uh, done a self-imposed moratorium on any further testing as they did not have to do any any more uh, testing thereafter. and also reiterated uh, india's no first use nuclear policy all along uh, advocating a credible minimum deterrence so mm-hmm. uh, yeah so here's an interesting tidbit for all the listeners so one there. one last point so one of the things they did this was to show that the no first use policy and a moratorium on further uh, nuclear weapons testing was to show that uh, as kishor you mentioned that it was the credible minimum deterrence has been proved and also to show that india was a responsible power and the west didn't have to worry about like nuclear proliferation issues or right. india being an irresponsible some of the things which uh, like like countries like north korea today are facing as whether they'll be a nuclear responsible power so india wanted to set an example to allay all the fears of the west which had come down heavily with sanctions during that time exactly so that's where the no first use uh, nuclear policy comes into picture where india clearly mentioned that uh, we would uh, use it only if we are attacked uh, uh, with nuclear weapons and, and also uh, even the, the the policy also interestingly i mean it's slightly diver- diverging from like the the point like also the biological and chemical weapons attack can be considered as uh, conditions for uh, using nuclear weapons uh, right yeah that is the nuclear uh, that is the nuclear strategic policy doctrine of, yeah soft yeah yeah correct okay so uh, coming back to where we were uh, here's an interesting tidbit for all uh, all the listeners out there uh, 
बीजेपी आर दी ओनली पोलिटिकल पार्टी इन द वर्ल्ड टू हैव मैंशन इन दैट इन इलेक्शन मैनिफेस्टो दैट इट वुड गो अहेड विथ कंडक्टिंग न्यूक्लियर दिस वॉज एंड इट स्टिल फर्स्ट फॉर अ पोलिटिकल पार्टी इन अ वाइब्रेंट डेमोक्रेसी टू आस्क फॉर पीपल्स मैंडेट एंड देन प्रोसीड विथ कैरिंग आउट द न्यूक्लियर टेस्ट thereafter inevitably the united nations yeah and, and then one more thing is like like when uh, everybody was surprised i mean this bjp just simply mentioned and i think vajpayee also did that like this was in our mass so this nothing new because many of the opposition parties had countered saying that the opposition need to be uh, taken into confidence and this was never in the plans so and even like when the western experts were surprised i mean it was like right in front of them but they missed it like it was explicitly in the election manifesto and they still missed it you know that's correct yes uh, and uh, primarily the uh, the opposition came from uh, uh, the extreme left and also the socialist parties uh, uh, who were, who had been thrown out of, who had been thrown out of power uh, in the recently concluded election yeah and like, even like uh, the chandrasekhar yeah and even like uh, like uh, congress certain sections of the congress party also vigorously protested it like for example like sonia gandhi mentioned that like true uh, responsibility comes in restraint and not display of shakti was her statement i'm just paraphrasing that yeah th- that was the time when uh, the leadership also had changed hands in the congress party so mm-hmm. uh, up until that time uh, uh, under under pv narsimha rao Uh, congress uh, used to have a different uh, outlook yeah. towards uh, the nuclear uh, weapon testing but uh, mm-hmm. thereafter under sonia gandhi the policy yeah pivinder simara so that's why like i think is uh, was a very good prime minister that he had like strategic clarity of thought so do you think like if they had re- won the election in 96 would you, we would have tested in 96 uh, yes i think they would have i think it has already been uh, mentioned in uh, a few places already and uh, they were they were uh, uh, they were waiting to win back uh, mandate again and uh, mm-hmm. go ahead with uh, testing so i think it was already clear by then okay so uh, what happened thereafter was that the united nations security council adopted a resolution uh, condemning both india and pakistan and uh, demanding that both countries refrain from engaging in further tests Uh, as a result uh, the united uh, the united states cut off all military support diplomatic assistance and foreign assistance including from the imf and uh, world bank overall the effect of international sanctions on the indian economy was minimal and this was yet another victory for vajpay uh, and many opposition parties had resorted to scaremongering saying that the economic sanctions would result in slowing down of the indian economy uh, if you see the if you see the uh, the gdp data of those years uh, mm-hmm. there was absolutely no doubt that uh, indian uh, the impact on the indian economy was uh, absolutely minimal yeah so, yeah i mean yeah i remember like i think uh, you know the former prime minister hd devagoda who was one of the prime ministers in between said that like he didn't want the rural masses to get affected by sanctions so uh, he uh didn't go ahead with the testing because he was worried about the economic impact of the testing correct correct yes okay so one one uh, implication of all this was that uh, the watchpay administration uh, uh 
in effect of being uh, uh, being subjected to international sanctions actually decided to engage with the clinton administration and uh, jahwan singh who was then the uh, minister of external affairs and uh, uh, a person by name strobe talbot who was a deputy secretary of state uh, they both met 14 times in less than two years uh, these initiatives helped in building the trust between india and the us and by the march of 2000 uh, which was less than two years thereafter uh, the sanctions were lifted and bill clinton uh, uh, became the first u.s president to visit india in 22 years after jimmy carter in 1978. now during this visit uh, the two sides uh, signed a comprehensive document called uh, india relations vision for the 21st century and this laid the foundation uh, to transform the india u.s uh, ties and uh, this in itself was actually a very very big achievement for the Vajpayee government to have the U.S. president lift the sanctions and also visit India within 24 months was a victory of victory of sorts for the Vajpayee administration. Yeah, I mean, and, looking at it is like if I don't know if many people underestimate this development because in like a span of short span of two years, you went from completely antagonistic relationship with a severe response in terms of economic sanctions from the us and india to sort of like now being on very good terms within two years it's a significant diplomatic achievement uh, for india Absolutely. which i don't think many people give the credit to the administration for having to do some difficult behind the scenes negotiations to come at this point right i agree so uh, as a part of the return visit what's by actually in september 2000 uh, coined, coined the term natural ally to define uh, US and India relations. Watchpai told uh, uh, the Asia Society while he was addressing there uh, that since he became, uh, while, while he was addressing there that uh, it was his belief that when the history of Indo-US partnership was written, uh, the six month period between March and September beginning with uh, Clinton's visit to India and culminating with uh, Watchpai's return visit uh, would be seen as the defining moment in the bilateral uh, ties. Uh, he also said that uh, consolidated uh, uh, his visit to Washington, I mean, uh, had consolidated relations between the world's two largest democracies and marked a new era in bilateral and global affairs. Uh, he made it amply clear to the US that uh, all along it had uh, uh, made a mistake in framing India in a hyphenated relationship with Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, back then, everything, all the US policy had to be like India and Pakistan had to be considered together. So this was the beginning of the time where that the hyphenation between Pakistan and India started to get separated. Like you could look at a policy and just look at it in terms of how we, we deal with India versus trying to uh, make sure that Pakistan also take it, taken into account for. And one more point I wanted to make is this is a significant, uh, this natural allies thing is a significant uh, shift because see like from probably like 1971, I think when they signed the treaty of friendship, like US, uh, Indian relations had always drifted towards the Soviet Union. But now like Vajpayee saw that like you don't need to be bound by the straitjacket or the orthodoxy of the of the Congress party in primary, which was in power, that you always need to be aligned with the Soviet Union. Like in a, he saw that there were benefits of aligning with the US 
which was a taboo subject in in terms of many in the congress party so he saw the vision that okay we cannot be like a pariah for the united states we need to work closely with them because we have shared goals and common interests so uh, but that didn't mean that you completely go to the us side so i think uh, uh, i want to share a tidbit on that so during the second gulf war when us was uh, had that coalition of willing and he was looking for allies to uh, join its force to invade uh, uh, iraq versus saddam hussein one of the interesting developments was that there was a request by us and george bush to uh, join the alliance so i mean there was some talk within the indian government the the nda government that we should join the this coalition but uh, vajpay wasn't too keen on it so the way he got around to dropping this idea was interesting so back then vajpay used to be good friends with uh, cpi like communist party of india general secretary harkishan singh surjit and the communist party of india counterpart ab bardhan so he invited them for a cup of tea and they did chit chatted about like, like old times and then suddenly he vajpay popped the question to say like hey what do you think about uh, deployment of indian troops to iraq and the communists who were like always opposed to us quickly said like you know hey this is a bad idea we shouldn't do so then vajpay um, suddenly said like okay but uh, if you are opposing i don't see any opposition or protest against this plan like you know so that gave the the left parties the signal the nary next day the left launched country wide protests against sending troops to iraq so in a roundabout way vajpay got what he wanted to do but Uh, he got the leftists to do his work for him that he got them to any right wing hawks in the indian government who wanted to send troops to iraq now completely dropped the idea because it was po- uh, politically impalatable to the current government so this shows like uh, the mechanisms how vajpayee used to get his things done which never was direct but sometimes indirect mechanisms fascinating only the yeah. the point that uh, he was uh... Uh, uh, much loud politician across the political spectrum yeah he was like a smart and he uses relationships very well so Absolutely. this this shift that uh, like you should you mentioned that also i think set the tempo for further improvement in the bilateral india us ties so when like vajpay demitted office like in 2004 like and manmohan singh like he managed to get the us to pass the 123 agreement for the transfer of civil nuclear technology to india which is like referred to as the indo us nuclear deal so like what vajpay started this uh, strategic uh, i i would say like maybe shift maybe a drift towards the us uh, like uh, manmohan singh carried it further and then i i think we can see that today modi has carried even further than what is so it was a slowly gradual movement across the political spectrum over these years but the initial movement was done by vajpay following the pokhran nuclear tests totally agree and uh, in fact uh, what has been mentioned is that once the us passed the 1 to 3 amendment uh, manmohan singh had personally visited vajpayee and had explained to him that he had finished off fi- finished off what uh, vajpayee had started so oh, okay uh, so that that kind of goes to show what uh, what kind of respect even manmohan singh had for uh, atal bihari vajpayee yeah so that's, that's interesting about, i didn't know that yeah so that's about the uh, indo us relationships uh, uh, quickly moving on to uh, the india's reach out to pakistan 
and the Lahore Bahyatra of uh, February 1999. Now, much has been written about Vajpayee's initiative of peace with Pakistan. Basically, uh, he sought normalization of ties with Pakistan, uh, reasoning that one can change their friends but had to live with one's neighbors. Uh, his mm -hmm. famous yeah. quote was that uh, uh, you can change your history, you can change your, uh, you can change your friends, but you can never change your geography. <laughs> Yeah, so, I think that's so, the bane of India since the independence that we have two unfriendly neighbors on our borders. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, in that regard, Watchpay uh, had a bus ride to Lahore in February 1999, uh, followed by a visit to Minare Pakistan in Lahore. Now, if you know, uh, if you know about Minare Pakistan, it's actually considered to be a national monument in uh, out there in Pakistan. So Vajpayee visited the monument and wrote in the visitor's book there that India wanted Pakistan to be a sovereign and prosperous nation. And it was the first time that an Indian leader had emphasized the uh, Pakistani sovereignty. And uh, especially significant this was because it was coming from him as uh, RSS uh, uh, had always indicated that it wanted an Akhand Bharat, uh, uh, an undivided India. So uh, this was kind of significant and it kind of uh, helped in uh, uh, building bridges with uh, the people and the establishment uh, in Pakistan. And the very next day, both uh, Vajpayee and uh, the Pakistani Prime Minister, the then Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, uh, signed the Lahore uh, Declaration. Uh, wherein it was stated that there would be a broad set of commitments to work towards uh, nuclear disarmament and non-proliferation and uh, both of them would commit to, uh, uh, to non-interference in uh, each other's internal affairs and also intensify efforts to uh, resolve uh, Kashmir crisis. So at that point in time, uh, the media in Pakistan and the media in India were both gung-ho about uh, the Lahore Declaration and uh, both the governments were actually very, very popular at that moment in time. And uh, uh, people and the opposition parties also in, uh, across the border had actually lauded the two governments for having uh, taken up this initiative. Yeah, but the, this newfound uh, bonhomie like, didn't last long because just the next year in the summer, like India had found that Pakistani army regulars had year. in the same year. Yeah. Within, uh, oh, sorry. In the same year. Sorry, my bad. So in like the within three months, they found that the Pakistani army had infiltrated into Kargil in uh, uh, Kashmir, and they proposed a challenge for India. So the Indian army, like did we did fight uh, bravely to regain the control over the the mountains in Kargil sector. So at that time, like it was interesting that Vajpayee had two types of, uh, in, uh, was under intense pressure two ways. So one was to broaden the scope of the war from just the Kargil sector in Kashmir to all across the international border. And there was a lot of uh, internal pressure from India, which he didn't succumb to. And also the other was the external pressure. So Pakistan with its uh, then friend United States was trying to, uh, I mean, Nawaz Sharif tried to pressure Bill Clinton to have India back off because they were reeling under the pounding they were taking from the Indian Army and the Indian Air Force. But Vajpayee stood firm that actually even Clinton invited Vajpayee to a conference in uh, Washington 
but like Vajpayee said like that there were he will he hold held firm that unless Pakistan withdraws its troops from the up to the line of control or behind it there would be no further talks with uh, Pakistan so that was the the and, Kargil uh, yeah, part of it an- yeah another context uh, uh, for the Kargil war was that India and Pakistan were still uh, reeling under the economic sanctions so there was no way India would get any help from uh, the US in terms of logistics or in terms of uh, intelligence. So uh, this was a war that India fought with uh, one hand uh, tied to its back. And uh, yeah. it had to get any help from anywhere around. And that was where it uh, got help from uh, uh, Russia and uh, Israel. And uh, India acknowledged uh, the help that it got from Russia, uh, from uh, Israel much, much later, maybe almost a decade and a half later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was about the Kargil, uh, the Lahore bus yatra and the Kargil uh, backstab. Now, uh, what happened thereafter was that uh, the government fell immediately uh, within the next uh, two months uh, owing to a political uh, fluid situation back home. But then uh, fresh elections were held and an improved mandate in October of that year led to Vajpayee returning as the Prime Minister, uh, something that was possible only for Nehru and Indira Gandhi prior to that. Uh, However, uh, immediately after becoming the Prime Minister yet again within uh, the next two months, uh, there was a rare diplomatic failure for uh, Vajpayee coming in the form of uh, IC814 hijacking. Mohal, uh, uh, you as a kid, I, me as a kid, or maybe we were teenagers by then. Uh, we clearly remember watching uh, 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 the news channel back then, where uh, every aspect of the flight hijacking of uh, IC814, which was uh, originating from Kathmandu and destined to land in uh, Delhi, uh, got hijacked. It entered, uh, uh, got mm-hmm. hijacked after it entered Indian airspace. Uh, it landed in Namrathar, but somehow uh, they managed to escape from there. Uh, it landed in Lahore, it went to Dubai, and finally it managed to land in Kandahar in uh, Afghanistan. Now, uh, the entire uh, the entire episode uh, got uh, live uh, streaming in all Indian media channels, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of uh, that kind of uh, arose the interest in the common uh, public out here in India. And I have vivid memories of uh, that episode. In any case, the uh, the hijackers uh, of the IC-814 uh, belonged uh, to the terror group uh, Harkutul Mujahideen. And they demanded the release of uh, three uh, hardcore terrorists who were uh, housed in Indian jails. Uh, they were Mushtaq Ahmad Hargar, Ahmad Omar Saeed Sheikh, and uh, Maulana Masood Azhar. Maulana Masood Azhar is a well-known name today in India. Um, now, uh, what happened was that India was unable to make the US and UAE to use their influence to help secure a quick release of the passengers. India did not have any kind of uh, diplomatic uh, links with uh, Taliban. So India uh, was uh, on the back foot uh, trying to secure the release of the uh, people uh, in the uh, in the flight IC 814, uh, and uh, we all know that India had to reluctantly agree uh, to uh, exchange uh, the three terrorists uh, for the. Yeah, I think the there was a lot of uh, public the pressure. 
there a lot of public pressure and, had uh, built up and the government succumbed to that pressure unfortunately in releasing and like masood azhar as you mentioned like even today we are regretting that we let him go absolutely because he's been uh, formatting terror in india by while sitting in pakistan and 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 uh, much to contribute to that was actually the uh, immature media handling wherein media tried to whip up the uh, frenzy and sentiment Uh, during that time, the week-long uh, hijack episode that had lasted, so um, Indian government had kind of no other option but to succumb to the yeah. pressure. Really, one of the However, first. Uh, 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 right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, one of the first uh, instances of uh, like reality TV in India. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the point I was trying to make. Uh, anyway, uh, however, we now uh, India now has a very tough uh, anti-hijacking law, which advocates uh, capital punishment in the event of death of any person during the hijack uh, process. I hope we have a better process to deal with hijacking because they let the plane to take off from Amritsar instead of, like, say, blowing out the tires or taking some steps to uh, prevent the takeoff, which would have resulted in a very different uh, end game, you know, out there. Mind so anyways we have, uh we have far better standard operating procedures now oh yeah i i hope so so uh the one of the lessons learned from the kargil uh, intelligence failure and the fiasco was that uh kargil review committee was set up immediately after the kargil war and was headed by k subramaniam a former civil servant so the national security council agency tasked with uh uh so one of the outcomes was the national security council was formed so which is basically tasked with advising the prime minister's office on matters of national security and strategic interest and the it was formed in like november 1998 with brajesh mishra as like the first national security advisor uh also one of the other recommendations of the committee was setting up the tri services theater command in andaman and nicobar islands uh just to have uh, jointness of operations between the three armed forces of india and also uh setting up the strategic forces command which is which uh, has control of the india's nuclear weapons and delivery and also the integrated defense staff so there were like quite a few uh, recommendations i mean some of the recommendations have not been fully implemented from the kargil review committee but a lot a lot good did come out of it uh, from that from the report yeah. right right so uh watch by uh, was not a man who would easily give up just because uh, the earlier attempts to establish permanent peace with pakistan had failed so what did he do he uh, he he invited uh, musharraf who by then had become uh, the president of pakistan uh, in july 2001 uh, he invited uh, uh, musharraf to agra uh and this was the famous uh, agra summit however uh, unfortunately the summit uh, again failed spectacularly in front of the glaring uh, media cameras uh, this was yet another uh, live reality uh, show unraveling in front of the indian audiences uh, who were glued on to their uh, tv sets now what happened was that um, musharraf on the day of the summit uh, somehow managed to have a Uh, breakfast uh, meeting with the indian media and uh, he had openly uh, uh, indicated that uh, the resolution of the kashmir dispute was the only open dispute uh, between india and pakistan 
and this kind of uh, uh, did not go well with the Indian establishment who were left embarrassed and uh, even when uh, a draft uh, statement was being prepared uh, there was no mention of uh, cross-border terrorism which by then had become a major sticking point between uh, India and Pakistan. So the Indian side uh, disagreed to have uh, to do anything with uh, this kind of a draft uh, statement where uh, cross-border terrorism would not be mentioned and uh, Musharraf was not going uh, was not going to be uh, forced or coerced into uh, adding uh, that phrase into the uh, summit statement. So uh, this was uh, the, this was the reason that uh, it kind of uh, failed spectacularly and uh, with no way out Musharraf headed back fuming uh, and claiming that uh, India had uh, not uh, agreed and uh, India had uh, let the summit fail. Uh, once again Vajpayee was left heartbroken in his attempt to establish uh, lasting peace with uh, Pakistan. Yeah, and uh, this was followed in the end of the year by an attack on the Indian parliament by uh, terrorists out of uh, Pakistan. So in response, like uh, India did mobilize uh, uh, around like five lakh troops and three armored divisions on onto Pakistan's border in preparation for war. So interestingly, like Vajpayee did resist the pressures to go to war. So in an interview with Shekhar Gupta, he mentions that he asked Vajpayee, are you going to war? So Vajpayee, after a pause, said that like everybody wants me to go to war, the army, the people, everybody's uh, angry at Pakistan. He says everybody wants to start a war, but uh, you can you can decide how to start a war, but you cannot decide how to stop a war. So he saw the strategic foresight that uh, the war he could start, but there was no way that he didn't know what was the end goal. Also, when he asked the army what was the end goal of the war, they didn't have any other a good response except saying that the strategic objective was just to punish Pakistan which wasn't good enough for him so at great cost like he did resist the urge to go to war back then so uh, towards the end of the term uh, the other adversary like India that India has China like Vajpayee did uh, invest some uh, effort in trying to make the relations better so uh, in July 2003, he went be to Beijing on a stake visit and met with the Chinese president Hu Jintao. Now, both declared uh, to a joint declaration that both of the two countries don't see each other as a threat. And interestingly, like India said that they would recognize the Tibetan autonomous region as a part of China, while um, uh, like China agreed to have the Changu in Sikkim as a border trading post, implying that. China was de facto recognizing Sikkim as a part of India. So that was a uh, recognition by China that Sikkim is a part of India and the Tibetan autonomous region is a part of China. However, the I believe the most important outcome of the Vajpayee's visit to Beijing was the setting up of a special representative mechanism where I believe the national security advisors of the two countries would meet together to try to resolve the long uh, pending border dispute that uh, has plagued the two countries uh, for like probably 50, 60 years. So the special representative mechanism uh, over the years has seen up to like almost 20 plus rounds of talks so far and progress has been made towards a resolution of the 4,000 kilometer unresolved boundary between India and China. But the final resolution is yet to come. 
Yeah, so, it's a work in progress as we speak. Okay, so uh, looking at all the events that unfolded from 1978 to 2004, uh, it is clear that while Watspy came up with his own ideas to solve uh, long-pending complex issues, like with Pakistan and China, he also was very sure of the kind of outcomes he wished to see. For example, he clearly knew that he wanted India-US to be natural allies, and he prevailed on the US administration to look at the bilateral tribes in the same way. While carrying out all his plans, he was a pragmatic optimist. He would never shy, from, shy away from repeatedly engaging with Pakistan. Similarly, he would never feel threatened to engage Beijing with his unique ideas of border resolution mechanisms. Uh, in the past week, uh, China acknowledged the demise of uh, Mr. Vajpayee and also sang uh, eulogies uh, in his uh, honor. Uh, Pakistan too sent a, a, a large delegation to attend uh, Mr. Vajpayee's uh, funeral. All these imply that he was popular not, not only uh, within the country and uh, among the masses in the country, but also with the nation's adversaries with whom he had tried to engage all through his life. Yeah, I mean, one of the foremost uh, striking things about uh, Vajpayee was that he had a clear-headed uh, vision of what his uh, policy, foreign policy would be, and he went about executing it. So like very early in his term, he said India has to be an overtly nuclear weapon state, and he went about uh, testing of the nuclear weapons. And even with his foreign policy, be it Pakistan, I mean, he did fail, but he went on trying again and again because he knew that having uh, good relations with our neighbor was of paramount importance. And also with China, I mean, he did have a bad experience in the 1978 visit and also uh, relations with China after the nuclear testing wasn't good because I believe in a letter to US, he said that China was the reason that we had to go overtly nuclear. Uh, so it was, a, it was a clear change that in 2003 from 1998, the relations with China had improved so much that they were willing to host him on a visit and also a few days ago eulogizing him when he passed away. So that was like a, he was a great thinker and a visionary and some of the like the drift towards uh, the, uh, the deepening of the ties with the US is something that we are reaping the benefits as a nation even today uh, like probably like what 15-20 years after the his policies have been were implemented. And also with uh, Israel. Yeah, but yeah, yeah that's also true. Yeah. But I mean, that yeah. like Pili Narsimara also had started some of it. So yeah, it was like a continuation of some of uh, Narsimara's policies. But yeah, Vajpayee did deepen the relationship uh, uh, during that time. Absolutely. Uh, so that uh, wraps up our discussion on the works carried out by uh, Mr. Atal Bihari Vajpayee in the realm of uh, foreign policy. We cannot claim to have covered everything, nor could we have explained each topic in minute detail owing to time constraints. Yet, we assume you have liked our episode. To hear more such intriguing conversations between the two of us, we urge you to subscribe to our channel India Rising and also tap on the bell icon to be notified whenever a new episode goes public. If you have any comments or suggestions on any topics you wish to hear upon, do let us know. Until the next episode, 
Uh, here is our farewell to one of the finest prime ministers India ever had, if not the finest. Shri Atal Bihari Vajpayee, Padma Vibhushan and Bharat Ratna, Om Shanti.